You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello, and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 81, for Monday, the 18th of September, 2017. My guest on today's show is Laura Reed, who has worked in publishing for over seven years as a designer for a journal and its award-winning website. She's now an author and freelance designer. Her poetry has been published in two anthologies. Laura's debut novel is called Deadly Sins. It's an exploration of the sexism that can permeate families and how sin can influence us all. The follow-up novel, Caught in a Lie, is a tale of sex, politics and betrayal. When we spoke for the podcast, I began by asking Laura what got her interested in writing in the first place. Um, I suppose I've been writing on and off for years, um, even when I had a day job. But I sort of found I couldn't devote as much time as I wanted to, sort of life and day job got in the way. So my first book I was working on for probably about 10 years, which oh, sounds wow. awful. <laughs> <laughs> that is a long time. Yes. Um, so, so obviously it wasn't um, all the time. It's a bit here and there. And so I, I sort of changed the structure of it a lot um, and sort of at times sort of struggled through, but sort of kept sort of coming back to it and then it was 2015 that I really sort of thought well actually I do need to publish this now and just sort of sort of sprinted to the finish and um and finished it edited it and then just thought this year right I'm just gonna publish it and get it out there and then start on a new one well done you (laughs) write it a lot quicker than the first (laughs) (laughs) well I mean I always think that the first problem is writing the first book and when you've done the first one you know it can be done don't you You've kind of got to get that out of the way I think yeah you really sort of learn how you write and what you write and sort of the process of writing I think in the first book and I sort of learned a lot as I was writing and I think that's probably why the structure of it did change so much and sort of the themes changed it became a lot darker I think I started off writing literary fiction and then sort of realised actually there was a lot of introspection and a lot of backstory in there. And I really wanted to sort of add a lot more action. So it then sort of developed more into a crime thriller as well. So, yeah, I think that that's probably what I struggled with, sort of trying to figure out genre as I was writing it. And a lot of people have actually said, like, they quite like the fact that it's so many different genres. And that it is quite a dark book as well. I mean, some people are a bit turned off, actually, by the fact that it is quite a dark book. But like some people have said that they, they like sort of the, the sort of dark themes and that was sort of a very sort of a book for adults, I think some people called it. Winding back the clock, I noticed when I was reading about you online that you've been published in two poetry anthologies, very different from what you wrote as a novel. So just tell me a little bit yeah. about that, if you would. There were two competitions um, that I entered. Oh, it was at least, I think, the first one was published maybe about 2012. And then the following year, I also published another one. And 
I don't know. I, I quite like poetry. I mean, I don't really see it as being different from writing novels, to be honest. And I suppose a lot of my writing sort of, I try to make it maybe a bit poetic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of focus on the same sort of themes in my writing. I sort of, I sort of do try to sort of focus a lot on the dark side of psychology. I did a psychology degree um, at university um, about 10 years ago now. And so sort of, I, I really like sort of focusing on that side of people, sort of the darker side of people. Now, that, that's fascinating that you did a psychology degree. I was going to ask you next, you know, do you come from a, a literary background, a kind of English literature background? But you're coming from the, the psychology. So did you uh, sort of focus on any element of that, like criminology, or did you get any kind of, a, you know, an interest in a specific element of that that helps in the books? Yes. Um, so I covered quite a bit of social psychology, not as much criminology, but also um, psychoanalytic theory um my degree a lot of it was also biology sort of thrown in there and sort of like we always had this of nature versus nurture debates and then um my first sort of job out of university was actually working on a therapy magazine which did actually tie in quite well um with a psychology degree so I sort of sort of learned a lot more about sort of the counselling side and therapy side, um, sort of the years that followed when I was working uh, for the therapy magazine. So that's an interesting transition, isn't it? Most people who, who go into psychology will usually end up in something like, well, either as a psychologist or, or you know, in, in social services or something like that. But you did you go straight for publishing out of university? I did. I think I've always had an interest. Like I've always been writing, even as a child, um, sort of just scribbling stories down. And yeah, I, I um, so for my job, I was editing as well, and I really liked that side of things. And I went for the job and kind of thought, oh, great, it's a perfect fit for me because I, I sort of love reading. So I got to edit at the same time, and then um, I also worked my way in and did um, design at the same time. So I sort of progressed, and then also um, I worked on uh, the website for the journal. Um, which won a few awards after I'd uh, sort of redesigned the site. Um, so I sort of also learned about online marketing, social media, as well as the, the journalistic side of things um, during my time there. Well, this is very interesting because this sounds like it's almost like an apprenticeship for being a self-published author. It sounds perfect. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think it's, sort of, it's tied in quite nicely and sort of, Definitely gave me the confidence to sort of set up my own business and sort of, I sort of knew I had the background in marketing and sort of wasn't afraid to sort of start marketing uh, my books because I sort of had the, the sort of past experience there um, having worked in sort of on websites and, and um, in publishing. Let's dig into the, the skills that you got from that a little bit more. First of all, the, mm. the, the writing. Now, I'm, I'm a former journalist, and I know that, you know, when you start, I worked in radio, but when you work in magazines, there's a style of writing. It needs to be very mm. tight, and it's actually very hard. When you've come from an academic background, it was actually quite a big switch for me. How, how did you find that challenge of writing for a magazine rather than academically? Um, so I wasn't just write well I, I was mainly editing um we we had uh, a lot of counselors who sort of wrote of their experience um of counseling clients and 
so um I sort of I did a bit of sub editing for that and read sort of the articles that interested me when I was doing the the layout of the journal as well. So I don't know, I, I don't think necessarily that I prefer one over the other. And I suppose like learning more about sort of the presenting issues that clients come to, to therapists with sort of perhaps has influenced maybe things that I write about as well. Um, and there are definitely sort of strong themes that you pick up on when you're reading about counselling. And what did the editing involve? Uh, and presumably it gave you a good feel for, for what works and what doesn't work in writing as well. Yeah, so I suppose um, I sort of helped the team um, sort of select certain articles Um and you do get a whole range of different points of view and different writing styles. And we always we always try to keep sort of the style of the writers. We wouldn't necessarily edit so that everything was consistent. We would try to give counsellors um, their say on, on things. So it wasn't necessarily um, writing or editing and to sort of have that sort of consistent sense of style I think counselling they're very um counsellors are very like there is a whole range of different types of therapy and everyone has their own opinion on things um and we always try to encourage people to sort of write in and that's sort of tied in with uh social media and just trying to get counsellors have their say because in a lot of cases they're quite isolated they're perhaps working from home um or sort of involuntary settings and they don't really have um anywhere to sort of express their opinions um so we try to sort of make the the magazine sort of a platform for them to speak one of the big Achilles heels of independent authors is, is getting the website. So many people struggle with this, and yet you had a head start in your day job. What sort of skills did you learn when you were working on the website? Because they're so valuable when, they're, when you're self-employed, aren't they? Yeah, um, I suppose just um, probably the same, I, the same as design, sort of making things as simple as possible, creating a site where you're sort of looking at various different metrics, what people enjoy reading, what they'll click on first, and trying to provide sort of information for them as well um, to do with like how to contribute, how to advertise in a magazine. Um, it's, it's, it's the same as, um, say, when you, you, you're an author and you sort of have your about page, you have your books page, you're trying to make everything in a really sort of structured layout so people can find things on your site. And then digging into the code, I like to look at the code behind people's sites uh, to see how they're made. I see that you've built it in WordPress, which is what I always mm -hmm. recommend for indie authors to do. And um, I, I actually, I, I arranged to interview somebody um, in a couple of weeks' time who said, please don't tell me off because I've got a Wix website because I, I rant about this okay. quite a lot and say, well, you know, you should be in, in WordPress. How, how how do you find WordPress? Because I think once you're in it, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I, I've, I've had WordPress site. Um, so if I was on WordPress.com for a while and then switched over to just having my own site, so WordPress.org. 
Um, and yeah, I, I've always found it quite easy to use, to be honest. Um, at the moment, my theme, I use the Divi uh, theme, so I can sort of change things as I want, and it allows sort of a lot of flexibility to design the site. Um, I never sort of really learned coding. I sort of, I, I did a couple of courses in sort of basic coding, but to be honest, the tools are sort of already there for you with WordPress. You can sort of change things how you like, really. Yeah, absolutely. That's the. I mean, I, I, I'm old enough to have learned to code in Dreamweaver, but I uh, okay, uh, about yeah. 2008, I started saying to people, you know, there's no point using code anymore. Just use WordPress. It's it's yeah. fantastic. And um, I've been banging that drum for about the last nine or, or ten years now since WordPress really became pretty impressive. I think. And it, mm, yeah. And you're using Divi too. Now, Divi's, uh, Divi's again one of the themes I recommend. So um, uh, it, it's kind of like a block builder that allows you to do very cool stuff without being a geek. Um, again, <laughs> you, you obviously get on very well with it, um, you know, for people who are wondering what to use with WordPress. Yeah, I, I would recommend using Divi mainly because it gives you flexibility. So you're not tied down to one theme, one main structure of your website. Um, and I found a lot with themes like there might be tiny little things that you don't necessarily know how to change unless you know coding um so i found with divi it was just very easy just to sort of pretty much drag and drop content all over until i was happy with it yeah and and, and uh, you know the thing to emphasize here is you do not need to be a coding geek to do this in mm. wordpress it is all i mean i think it's very similar to wix i always say to people the most difficult thing is actually just installing the wordpress site but once it's there it's no more difficult than wix when you use um plugins i don't i, don't, I really don't think it is complicated is it i know a lot of people are no. put off my websites that's all yeah, um, I, I did have, um, I have a friend who, um, who helped me sort of move across, um, to sort of set up my own site. Um, but yeah, when, once that's sort of been done, it's a very quick process and then you can sort of go about just creating your content really. Um, it's very easy to, to blog, to sort of upload your covers, um, add links to say Amazon page or Kobo or wherever. It's a very nice looking site. Congratulations on that. It looks really, really pro. So, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> well, well, no, it's really nice. It looks really good. It's very um, eye catching. And um, again, digging around in the code, I'm, I'm trying to work out whether you're a MailerLite user or a MailChimp because there's a MailChimp mm. plugin in there, I think, but uh, it also says MailerLite too. Yeah, I just switched over to MailerLite. Um, I went past 2,000 subscribers um, with MailChimp. And sort of found that every, I think every hundred subscribers, I was sort of adding on another three or four pounds um, to the cost each month. So um, I, I switched to Mail MailLite purely based on cost. Really, I've still got the Mailchimp plugin, I think, on there, just because I find it easier to. The design is is a bit better with MailLite. I think you're sort of restricted in terms of the design, and I just thought, well, actually, I've already designed of the little box on the page and so i'll just leave it as mailchimp for now and just move them over to MailerLite. yeah 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 it doesn't make a lot of difference really does it you could um um and, and then as long as you don't go over that magic 2000 you're fine but you've come up with an interesting point then this is how many people get seduced with mailchimp is it looks so attractive when you've only got one or two subscribers 2000 seems so far away and then the mm. minute you break that 2000 mark it's quite steep isn't it and, and main light's great value i found 
Yeah, I, I found the value for me a lot, especially um, I signed up for uh, a year, and I think it's a 30% discount or something when you do that. So I, I was sort of quite happy with the price. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's considerably less than MailerLite, uh, MailChimp, I beg your pardon. And the, the other thing that um, MailerLite have very cleverly done is they've let you have it free up to a 1,000 subscribers, which also gives MailChimp a, a run for its money, I think. So, you know, it is, mm. it's pretty competitive, isn't it? How, how are you getting on with MailerLite? Did you make the switch very easily? Uh, yeah, the switch was quite easy. Uh, just sort of exported uh, my MailChimp subscribers and then just uploaded it to MailerLite. Um, I do find that there are like tiny differences here and there. I preferred this as stats on the mail um, on the Mailchimp side of things, and sort of the way that you can email certain segments as well was a bit easier on Mailchimp. Um, but yeah, I'm getting used to to using uh, MailerLite. I think one difference was that I'd already designed sort of the email templates that I was using, and you can't actually transport those across to MailerLite. Um, so I had to sort of completely redesign. Uh, the email template for MailerLite, but that was the only sort of really. That was the only huge amount of work really that that went on, and that only took maybe an hour to sort of set up a different template. And was email marketing something that you had learned, um, you know, working in publishing, or is it a skill that you've you've had to learn as a self-published author? I think a bit of both. I sort of I realised. So I've done sort of quite a bit of research sort of over the years as I've been writing, I think is sort of a way to procrastinate really. Mm. And sort of definitely discovered that so many indie publishers were saying you need to have a mailing list. So before I published um, my first book, I sort of made sure to, to start one and I used, um, I think it was the first three chapters of my book to sort of get people to sign up via Insta Freebie. And I think I'd had about 2,000 subscribers when I launched the book um, in the space of maybe two or three months, which I was quite impressed with. InstaFreebie sort of really sort of did help me to sort of get the word out before I published. Now, you and I uh, met on InstaFreebie, so I think mm, uh, yes. you, you took part in one of my giveaways, I think, didn't you? I think if I remember yeah. correctly, yes. Uh, it seems a long time ago now. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think InstaFreebie is... Uh, certainly for a brand new author, the best way to, and uh, you've, you've said it just there, it's astonishing that you can get to 2000 as a complete unknown and newbie. And it really mm. gives you that wind beneath your wings when you start, I think. So you, you were obviously doing the Insta Freebie thing as you launched. How much of a help did you find it? Um, I've got to say, like, I was surprised at how many people didn't purchase even, I think I launched at 99 cents. And I was surprised that a lot of people on my list want freebie books. They don't necessarily want to purchase. But saying that, like like you said, there, there's not really anywhere else where you can necessarily get so many subscribers if you don't have, say, a book out for free yet. Um, and I, I kind of, I know that um, some authors are saying that the markets are becoming saturated with so many free books, but at the same time, so free does work to sort of to build sell books. So even though obviously I've just got the one book at the moment and I haven't necessarily seen a follow on from sort of from my Instagram subscribers, I think in the future, sort of when I've got so many books out, I probably will definitely look at sort of creating a perma free book 
and I, I do think Frida's worked as well. And can I just check with you? Sorry, did, did you say did, did, on Insta Freebie? Did you put the first couple of chapters on and then tease to the full book, or did you put the full book on Insta Freebie? No, I, I've just kept it um, as the first. At the moment, it's the first chapter that I've got on that, and I'm still getting people signing up. So maybe about 150 a week. Wow. But I am sort of um, taking part in various different promos. Like I normally have at least one promo, if not more, each week. And where are you finding those promos uh, online? Um, mainly um, on Facebook. So other authors saying, hi, I want to sort of start a promo group um, and I'll just sort of sign up on there or like via a Google form. And when a week, you reckon? So so your list, what's your list now then if you've been pushed into MailerLite? I think it's about 2,700 now. It's good, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Mm, it's a good good little list. So, so well, congratulations on that. Uh, and interesting that you used Insta Freebie um, at, at launch because most of the people I've talked to have sort of used it usually after Facebook ads or something like that. Are, are you paying um, for any ads directly? Not yet because I kind of think if I've just got the one book, I'm not necessarily sure if I'll necessarily see a return on investment just because I don't have more books afterwards. But I think when I've published say maybe two or three i will sort of look at facebook ads because i know they can be like you can have huge success with them let's go um, back to the writing then so we, we left you at the, the, the two poetry anthologies now mm. i need to have a word with you about how long this book took to write because <laughs> <laughs> 10 years is a long time i'm really interested to know you know how you even keep the interest going on a book for for 10 years I don't know. I mean, I suppose life did get in the way um, a lot. So I, I found it very difficult to sort of, when you sort of got a full-time day job, to sort of come back and then sit down and actually focus on writing when a lot of your focus and energy is taken up at work. I don't know. I don't know why so I didn't just keep sticking with it day after day. I mean, at the moment, I try to write at least 500 words a day or say a thousand words every other day if I don't have a chance to write say the previous day so I am trying to sort of publish the second one this year and sort of in a way sort of get the confidence up in my writing and my ability to be able to to write every day and and get more than one book out every 10 years <laughs> it took you so long to write it. I mean, you must have been writing it with a quill and ink when you started. Were you? What? What did you write it by? You must have been writing by hand, were you, or were you on a on a laptop then? Um, I think I was on laptop back then. Yeah. So it was um, in Word, would it have been? Yeah, I still write in Word now. Um, I just find it simple, just having everything in one file, really. Um, and I sort of break up each chapter and go into each chapter and and work on them um and I also I have um an excel spreadsheet where I keep word counts so I'm sort of staying on track which I didn't have the, for the first book and actually that really helps me know where I have to get to say um each month and each week and how many words I need to to, to do yeah I think target setting is is essential to keep you on uh, course there um did you then if, if this book took you know, 10 years to write. And you did say that it evolved and it changed as it went along. But did you did you work to an outline 
or or did it you know literally materialize as you wrote it it materialized so i didn't have any kind of plan and i i think as well that didn't help me um so now i'll make sure that i i know what i'm going to write in each chapter and i do outline now but i i still don't necessarily like sometimes when i'm writing sort of twists take me by surprise in a way so i still can add various things in there even though i've got an outline depending on what i've written that day um, and what were the vital statistics of the book after 10 years you know how many how many words did you end up at with this first one i think at one point it was about 80 90,000 and i i kept editing it um and in the end it ended up at 45,000 because i just cut a lot of things and rewrote certain chapters added new chapters so it didn't it, it was never the same any week I don't think when did you actually you know get that last impetus you said it was over 10 years when did you get the last impetus to say right gonna get this finished now gonna get this out gonna get this published did, did you have that last drive to the end I knew that um, my 30th birthday was coming up and I thought this is ridiculous like why haven't you actually published this yet and I think it was something about thinking well actually I'm going to another decade of my life that I I sort of sat down and realized that I wasn't necessarily as happy as I could be um sort of having a day job going into the office nine to five and I I realized that actually I think I'd be far happier working for myself and doing more creative jobs so I made the decision that actually in my 30s I would sort of strive to actually create a new type of career one where I would just be independent um, and that was what pushed me to, to be able to finish and publish. So what is what is the self-employed game plan then? Is, is, is the big plan to be the author or is it to be self-employed? Uh, both <laughs> I think. I really enjoy the the freedom, the flexibility that comes with being self-employed, and sort of just being able to to do things that I enjoy doing every day. Um, I find writing is probably more difficult than my design work, mainly because I think it's more challenging for me, and I think because it is more challenging, it's probably also more rewarding. I'm very self-critical. So when I'm writing, I can sort of go into funks where I'm like, oh, no, the words, they're just not coming. Oh, I'm not in the sort of right headspace. And I have to sort of push myself through that to be able to get words down where that I actually like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I sort of realized over the years sort of not to try to make my writing perfect necessarily. I just need it to... To sort of be good enough for me so I'm not sort of constantly editing because I really sort of got stuck in an editing sort of spiral um when I was working on my first book and now I sort of need to sort of know when to let things go and when to actually to publish <laughs> and that's an interesting point you know, I, I call that good to ship and um, mm-hmm. I always say, you know, there's a point at which it is it is fine to release, and then there's perfection. And and mm-hmm. although we need to strive for perfection, it's never going to hit it. It's never going to hit it ever, however yeah. much you fiddle with it. So you kind of got to get used to saying, right, that's good to go now. Let's get it out there. Otherwise, you'll never do anything. I think. 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now, you said right at the beginning of the interview that um, you thought that that first book was literary fiction. And um, I I wondered then, did you ever aspire to get it traditionally published? I did. I, I, I think right at the start, probably before I'd heard of sort of self-publishing I sort of considered it I think as I was sort of coming to the end of finishing the book that I realized a it's probably too short it was more sort of novella length um and so I thought oh I'd be struggled to get an agent and also it sort of slotted into so many different genres that even I sort of struggled figuring out actually where do I market it and I thought again agents might not necessarily sort of want the book because of that so I just made a decision really to just self-publish and um, how's that going so far I've I think I've got about I definitely say over about 4,000 downloads but most of those have been free downloads when I've had a free um, promotion on the book I don't see that many sales but then I just have the one book so um, I found it difficult to sort of know which genre to pitch it as well um so some readers sort of might just prefer say crime thrillers that don't necessarily have sort of the noir literary uh feel to it as well and then also there's sort of like a dark romantic suspense uh genre in there too and i sort of i think i have struggled sort of figuring out where to pitch it even though readers said actually they like the fact that it's of contains so many different types of genre i i think i sort of learned a lesson there to try to write more to genre than than book one really yeah absolutely and that's why i call this podcast self-publishing journeys because i do think that you know every book you release every time you write you learn something and put it in the pot for the next time you just constantly are learning lessons and it sounds like you're writing the next book now, aren't you? So mm-hmm. you've been very mindful of all those learnings in the next book, presumably. Yeah. And I, I sort of, at the moment, I'm writing, it's sort of like a political thriller combined with romantic suspense. So actually, I, I sort of, it's still two main genres. But also, um, I'm writing from two different characters' perspectives. And one character, so I think, the book sort of mainly falls into romantic suspense when I'm talking from her point of view. And then um, the other character is more of a political character. So I'm finding, sort of just writing it, it it's difficult to get into different, into the different characters' heads. I, I struggle more sort of getting into the political mindset than um, than the other character. You've got a great review on the site. It says suspense, drama, sex and violence all rolled into a cracking read. So there's mm. there's a bit of everything in there. Do you, do you write for women or for men or do, do you have a gender in, in mind when you write? I don't really. I sort of write what I want to write. Mm. I'm finding that a lot more women than I expected, I think, are sort of signing up to my list. So I can sort of see that. I imagine it's probably maybe about 80% of my readers are women wow yeah that's that's very strong yeah yeah but then um a lot of my reviews have been written by men which is quite interesting so i am sort of getting perspectives from sort of both male and female readers but also 
I, I find it interesting sort of how like there's sort of perception there that um I think romantic suspense that so many more female readers might um read sort of the romantic suspense side of things and then maybe the thriller appeal to, to men but I, I wouldn't necessarily say that sort of more men prefer sort of thrillers because some people are saying that actually they they like that it's a combination of both and it, it doesn't necessarily fit the genre that's yeah, it's interesting isn't it that um that that mix of of genders is fascinating i would say um and mm-hmm. and then the cover too of course you've got our oh, deadly sins this this great woman of a woman with a cigarette she's she's heavily tattooed so there's quite a lot of attitude um on there uh, the, the mm. cover also must determine to a certain extent the readers of the book i guess so i think i i've mainly focused i mainly focus on characters on the books because um i've read quite a bit of research that say um like um i think there was a research on uh, netflix and how when they have all the various different images of what you can pick to watch that the characters and characters with sort of unusual facial expressions or in different sort of not not obvious poses that that attracts more interest um when people are just glancing through and i i sort of felt like uh, the same applies to books really so i tried to sort of focus on the character on the covers um and try and sort of hook readers in that way if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I love both your covers because you've also got um, Caught in a Lie, which you, you can mm. see the cover of there. There's a sneak peek on your Twitter profile um, mm, at yeah. the moment. And I think both of them, um, I love the way that you've obviously, you know, you've harmonised the text. So the basic layout and fonts are the same. Yeah. But you've got two really strong female images um, on the covers. They're great covers. They work uh, very well, though. So what, what was your thinking behind this? Because I know you design your own stuff. I, I really enjoy doing the cover side of things and I normally like um, the cover for Cause and Lie. I think I actually did that before I started writing it. And I, I think designing the cover sort of helps me sort of get into the character's head a bit more and, and visualise them. And as well, I think it's important to sort of try to add some sort of branding sort of across covers, even if they're in different genres. I think that helps us make them look a bit more professional. I totally agree with the doing the covers. I've started doing my covers before I write the book because it mm. puts my head in a in a space. It, it helps me to visualise where I'm going with it, and I've I found that a really powerful part of the preparation process. It sounds like you've got a little bit of that going on too with it. Yeah, um, and I've got some ideas for for different books that I, I've also sort of dabbled with the covers for those I'm, I'm thinking about writing sort of perhaps an urban fantasy series which I, I've had the idea probably for, for years now and I've, I think that will be interesting sort of seeing how different types of readers respond I think I might choose to use a different pen name for that sort of side of my writing compared with the sort of dark thriller romantic suspense um, side of things so you quit your day job at the end of 2015. That mm, gives yeah. you the uh, automatic problem of how am I going to pay the bills? So, mm. so how, what are you? You're doing a range of things. I know to to to, to do that. What? Well, how do, how do you spend your your days then? How do you manage that? I don't like having any sort of any week having the same 
things to do really so there might be um a couple maybe say a couple of days I might do um magazine design um I've started doing covers for other authors which I really enjoy doing and so I might be working on on covers and then also doing writing and I think it depends sometimes it depends on my mood so if I'm in more of a sort of creative mood I might start sort of working on covers and then I think I need to be in sort of quite a serious um, mode for for writing and some days I might do both depending on sort of what I'm feeling like doing and then also obviously the marketing side of things that sort of takes up like maybe a few hours a couple of hours each day just sort of making sure that I know um like I, I was doing Amazon adverts for for a bit and just sort of seeing what works and what doesn't work and I think that's quite important when you're starting out and you're trying to see where you should sort of invest your time to sort of get sales and to to get uh, people signing up to your list and is your aspiration to be a full-time writer are you happy with the, the mix that you've got I enjoy both so I I think I'm not sure sort of say in the next five ten years if I will be doing both but I, I I'm trying to sort of stay true to what I want to be doing so at the moment it, it suits me to be doing both because I, I think sometimes you you learn from doing both but I'm the way that I write I sort of have to visualize things and I think that sort of carries across to the design as well and some days sort of I, I feel like I, I need to sort of be working on design and then other days I feel like I want to be working on writing so I, I do enjoy doing both. Where are you getting your um, images from? I'm just looking at the page of your book covers at the moment, and mm. um, your images don't look to me like you know standard clip art. They're really striking, strong images. I love the cover for Forbidden, the um, that sci-fi. Oh, I really love that. Uh, I could go for that one of my sci-fi books. It's lovely and strong. So, where are you getting your images from? Because they don't look like they're from a standard um, site to me. Uh, Shutterstock. Really? Yeah. You're just so- choosing well. <laughs> um yeah I I do spend ages just just going through and and trying to find the right image and I'll come up with lots and lots of different options and sort of narrow down the choices to sort of what works best and I also find that sometimes sort of having a simple striking image is just as powerful as sort of creating sort of one image from various different images on photoshop and did these skills come from, um, you know, your work in publishing? Is this where you picked up the skills that you need for this? Because it's, um, you know, book covers are, I got re- really ropey Photoshop skills and I couldn't do a cover. I wouldn't know how to make a cover. But, um, you know, these look lovely. You've got some real artistic and layout flair there, I think. Thanks. Um, I was working on magazines of layout for, I think, five years, five, six years. So... I was working with illustrators and photographers and so if you get a feel for sort of what works and deciding on which ideas to take forward. Um, so I suppose it's sort of carried across from there really. Where, where do you find your work as a freelancer? Do you, are there any um, websites that you go or are you able to sustain it through uh, contacts that you made whilst at work? I've used a few contacts. 
but I would like to sort of branch out and perhaps add my profile to various freelance sites. But at the same time, I don't want to sort of take on too much freelance sort of design work because I I don't think I so sort of, I like the balance of having like being able to write at the same time. So I'm quite happy sort of just doing part-time design work, really, so I can focus on writing. So let's come back to the writing then. Caught in a lie, you've committed yourself, because it's on your Twitter profile, saying coming mm. soon, but we don't yeah. mean in the next nine years this time, I hope. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that it will be November that I can publish that. I'm trying to do about fifteen to 20,000 words each month. And then get it out to, um, to to beta readers and art readers and then be able to publish in November. And have you managed to create the, those beta and art readers from your Insta freebie list? Have you got that level of interest already? Yeah, I, I've got a few um, art readers already who um, I just asked my list and said, I think here's the first chapter. Um, if anyone wants to, to be an art reader, then please, please let me know. And got quite a few people that way. Um, I had a probably about a handful, probably five um, beta readers when I was doing uh, Deadly Sins. And actually, just getting feedback from readers is really helpful. It, it sort of makes you focus on things that you, you think might you might have finished something and then like in the back of your mind you're thinking hmm but maybe maybe I'm a bit unsure about this and actually feedback from beta readers they'll pick up on all those little things that you're unsure about and make you sort of change things just to make the story better. And what have you changed about your process then in this book? I said that it's always like a journey that you once you finish the first book you're much better for the second one. Um, What have you changed about the process this time to make it go better? I think sticking to the word count making sure I write so many words each month, that's enormously helpful because before I wasn't even thinking about word count, I was just sort of struggling along really, um, just trying to get in bits here and there when I could, when I sort of felt in the mood to write. Whereas now, even say if I'm not necessarily in the right mood I sort of think well actually I do need to get my words down today and having that mindset helps trying to be more positive about my writing I think as well sort of seeing reviews and and getting sales for the first book that sort of inspires me to want to write more Do do you feel confident as a writer do you sit there thinking oh it's all rubbish it's terrible or or do you feel reasonably have you got that reasonable amount of self-assurance when you put words on the page i think it depends on the day (laughs) Um, and what i have written that day sometimes i I can think oh it's terrible and then other days i might think oh that's a really good scene actually and surprise me um with where it went do you edit your own stuff yeah i do that's quite hard i think i mean you know you have to go through it a lot of times it gets quite boring doesn't it I quite enjoy the editing side of things because I can make so many changes. I, I'm quite good at sort of just proofreading my own stuff. I think that sort of comes from my perfectionism and wanting to make it as perfect as possible, but then sort of trying to hold myself back and then actually just send it out to people so they can read it. But I, I enjoy the editing side of things because you do, like, I can sort of go off go off on one sort of sometimes when I'm writing and write something that just doesn't relate to the book at all 
Um, and then when I'm reading it back and editing, I think actually, no, that does need to go. So I do enjoy that part of it as well. And do you have any um, ambitions to become like one of these indie author writing machines where you're knocking out, you know, five a year, six a year books? I would love to be able to write that much, I think. I, I'm so At the moment, I struggle to sort of maybe do over 1,500 words because after I've got that far, I just can't focus anymore. And I know that some people are into um, dictation and I'd love to sort of maybe sort of write sort of differently, so sort of speak the words instead. And I, I, I do wonder if that might help with the word count and sort of getting the words down, I suppose, um, in a different way. Where do you go to learn about self-publishing? What are your favourite, you know, podcasts, books, blogs? Where do you get your information from to help you develop as a self-published author? I'll read articles and podcasts that people link to um, on Facebook groups. I signed up to the um, the self-publishing 101 course, uh, I think it was November last year. That's Mark Dawson's course, is it? Yeah. Yes. Because so I really like the way that he's sort of emphasised you need a mailing list. These are the ways you can sort of set up your books on Amazon. And that was really helpful, actually, just being able to know what I needed to do to actually go on Amazon, how to upload things and things about advertising. I'd definitely like to sort of learn more about, say, Facebook advertising um, for the future because I do think sort of being able to get your books out there and visibility is key, really. And I know that I'm sort of aware of that and I just think I need content first and then I'll, I'll sort of focus on advertising as well and have you changed in that aspiration not to go down the traditional route you know now, now you've done it once and you know the sort of work that's involved and, and to many extent to a great extent you had a real advantage because you've got lots of the skills that you need to to get started as an indie author you know is it is it easier to just go traditional do you think or, or will you stay with self-publishing I do enjoy sort of the freedom of just being able to easily upload something to Amazon and hey, presto, it, it's published. I don't know if I, I would sort of go down the traditional route. I, I think, I suppose it's possible, but I, I think in some ways, traditional publishing, sort of, they take on books that they sort of obviously they think will sell. Um, and at the moment, I'm sort of again writing something that isn't necessarily tied down to one genre but I mean I suppose the option's always there for traditional publishing and sort of selling rights in different countries and maybe I'd, I'd use an agent for that. And if you could um, whisper in your ear 10 years ago when you were starting to write the, the first book what, what would you tell yourself? I'm not sure really because I, I don't know if I would have I don't know if I would advise myself to sort of actually do something that you love just just be an author or if I would have advised myself to, to get a job because I did learn to, so much from having a day job but I don't know if I would be in a different place today if I started earlier. Yes it's, it's an interesting one because you undoubtedly got a lot of useful skills from your work and uh, you know you'd have had to learn those I think if you'd have started straight away and it, the journey might have been 
more hazardous for you, perhaps, you know, more, more stilted. Yeah. Perhaps. It's, um, yeah, there's no, there's no point wishing what might have been, is there? You, you just have to get on with it, I think. So, so, mm. so in that case, instead of looking back, let's look forward then. So 10, yeah. 10 years in the future, what's your writing business going to look like? I'd like to have obviously a lot more books <laughs> published. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if I'll stick to one genre or, or write many. Like, I think there are always ideas in my head for, for other stories that would, would fit into completely different genres. But I also am aware I don't want to sort of spread myself too thinly across different genres because that's not really going to necessarily help my branding and so the also bought on Amazon things like that and also I suppose I might I, I'm considering working with other authors just um I I I've read some um some people who've been co-authoring and I, I find that sort of really interesting how they work together and I sort of I, I do wonder if I might be working sort of more with other authors not just say on covers but on um, on writing books too. You are bootstrapping your business. I should finish the interview by allowing you to plug your your book cover service. If you could just mm. explain, you know, what what you offer and where we can find out about that. So um, the last few months, I, I've started designing covers. Obviously, I, I sort of started with my own, but actually, I enjoyed it so much that I'm um, I've created the service uh, for other authors. Um, at the moment, uh, I think it's £100 for simple ebook cover and very different discounts. Say if you wanted uh, more than one cover for repeat customers. I've worked with Stephen Mack on, on four of his covers now and really enjoyed sort of just working with other authors, seeing what their ideas are, sort of working working with both our creativity in a way. So they've sort of written a story, they're sort of telling the story of to me about what their story is about and then creating the cover which also tells the story. Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.